This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martorano, uh, your host and guide. Here each and every uh, week at this time, what we do is talk about the disease of addiction and um, most especially the road to recovery. Recovery Radio is sponsored by Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers, about which more uh, a little bit later. Before I introduce our guest, I did want to take one moment at the top of the program to alert you to something that appeared uh, this week in uh, the New York Times. Um, we're here, we are Saturday, but uh, this piece uh, showed up online, I believe, Thursday, and uh, it, it's called uh, Addiction How the Brain is Hijacked, or something like that. Uh, I urge everybody to take the moment, if you're not a subscriber to the Times or have never read it, to go, to go look for this piece. It is, uh, simply put, the clearest and most definitive explanation for what we're talking about when we talk about addiction. And um, it's just brilliantly done, and the resources of that newspaper being what they are, it's comprehensive. And there are things in there that you may uh, disagree with, but I think in general, everyone, everyone will be well served by taking a look at this piece. As I said, this week... Uh, in the New York Times, if you Google New York Times and you Google uh, brain hijacked addiction, I'm sure you'll uh, be able to find it. I urge everybody, once again, to read this, whether or not this disease has affected you or your family. Uh, anyway, th- there is my uh, plug for the New York Times, and maybe they will cut me a break on my subscription because it's outrageously expensive. So that's that. Here's what we're doing today. I guess this is the second in a couple of programs we do at this time of the year because we are, obviously, in the most wonderful time of the year, as that song continuously tells us. Well, yeah, the holidays are great. They are about family and they are about uh, renewal and they are about spirituality and gift giving and good food and all of that. But as we all know, uh, addiction notwithstanding, stress comes wrapped up just like every other gift at this time of the year. So we take a couple of weeks in every December to talk about uh, sort of navigating your way through the holidays in recovery and uh, dealing with stress, which is going to be the main focus of our program today. To that end, boy, I'm wasting a lot of time here. To that end, I am just as pleased as I can be to uh, to welcome Elizabeth Jackson, who uh, is known to her friends and she has many as EJ. Uh, EJ Jackson joins us today. She is um, a, a well-known and uh, very respected, experienced therapist with over 30 years, 35-plus years now in the field. Um, her resume is impressive and includes certified uh, alcohol and drug counseling, a master's in neuro-linguistic programming. I can't wait to find out what that's all about. And she is certified in MBSR, and I can't wait to talk to EJ about what the M stands for, which is mindfulness, because that's a big buzzword right now. We welcome to Recovery Radio, EJ Jackson. EJ, thank you for enduring that setup. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for the invitation to be here. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. You come highly recommended. EJ came to our attention on the program through through some work she's already done with Retreat. She she uh, is thought so highly in this field that she gets to talk to clinicians and people in the field of treatment. She sort of uh, talks to them and maybe gets their game a little better. So uh, thanks for joining us here on Recovery Radio. Am I wrong about the holidays? Uh, uh, you got it spot on. You have it spot on. The holidays are so stressful, even with regard to joy. It's stressful to be joyful. 
when it's expected. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. So there's a so there's, so there's a high the high quotient of stressfulness. We're going to get deep into some of the things people can do about that. But uh, this is radio, so I have to do some describing here. EJ <laughs> EJ showed up with a, a crate of stuff. Um, among which are three buttons on on the desk in front of us, and well, why don't you why don't you press those buttons? No problem. I brought these along in case I need to talk to you about anything. Okay. So if I disagree with you, I'll probably go for the last time. No. <laughs> okay. And, and if I'm upset about that, or if I offend you, I will say sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Keep that one handy. <laughs> and uh, the third is the, my favorite, which is what? There you go. Give me a Y. Give me an E. Give me a yeah! Yes. Perfect. Everybody <laughs> should have a button that says, yes, you're right, in front of them. So, EJ, it's going to be fun talking to you about this. Uh, tell us a little about your background. Well, um, I am a person in long-term recovery, and I'm... I've been in, I, I was uh, introduced to 12-step programs in the late 70s, and I actually embraced them in the 80s, <laughs> oh, Right, <laughs> because it was for codependency, and once the drunk was gone, I didn't need to go to meetings, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we all know how well that turned yeah, out, right, so right. I married a second one. <laughs> Oh, so you, so when you say you're in long-term recovery, you mean because of your relationship to people who had uh, addiction issues? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I can't think of a, a more appropriate time of the year to talk about codependency and about drunks and about and about people that are <laughs> drinking too much. Um, so, and you've been doing this for a long time a now. A long right? time. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, actually hang my Christmas tree upside down. Which is really good because it keeps drunks from knocking it over. Yeah. And it also keeps the animals away from it. So you might want to consider hanging no, you don't really. upside down. I have read lots of people who do that. I have pictures of it. I've been doing it since the 70s. Upside down. Well, yeah. the 70s, a lot of things were upside down. <laughs> you know, i gotta stop. I got to stop right here now to point out that I'm curious of your use of the word drunk. The, don't you get uh, don't you get uh, chastised for using something like that? Who would chastise me well, for that? I don't know. You know, the, we're we're it's in, not politically correct. Well, we're in an age where you have to be careful what what words you use. You you think it's appropriate to call people who drink too much drunks? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just, <laughs> I'm just I'm just uh, checking on that. Um, well, and with regard to you've been drug counseling, you've done all that. With with regard to your seminar that you led here. Um, I don't want to get too deep into that because it's kind of inside baseball for people who are not clinicians or in the field. But what what sort of um, information did you impart to the employees around here? Well, that tra- that training was called LARAC, which stands for Love, Relationships, Addiction, and Codependency. And basically what we talked about was how people behave when they are in those throes of the different chemicals that take place and how closely related that is to addiction and to codependency also. And uh, and uh, clinicians need to be very frequently uh, brought up to speed on some of the newer thinking about this, right? Exactly. And the other thing is we are always talking about the person who's addicted. But for every addicted person, there's a minimum of 10 codependents. 
and codependents get sicker faster and stay sicker longer. And that's what I was told when I first went to Al-Anon, and I didn't like hearing that. You know, let's, How dare you? Yeah. I'm trying to save someone's life, and you're telling me that I'm sick? I've got a problem? I don't have my, – <laughs> yes, my problem is that person over there. Uh, maybe we should describe – and this is something we take for granted too often – what we talk, what we mean when we say codependency. Codependent to me is someone – it's different than somebody that enables. A codependent is someone who wants to fix and they, they believe that they're helpful. And I'm speaking for myself. I thought I was being helpful. And my obsession with the addict, with the alcoholic, drove me totally over the edge to the point where one night we were having a high-speed chase down along the Tully, which is a very twisty, turny, two-lane road. He was drunk. I was sober. Who's the sick person in this picture? Yeah, yeah. You're both driving recklessly and out of control. But he has a reason. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, except yeah. that I was stark raving mad. With regard to codependency, how long did it take you to realize that you were, you thought you were part of the solution, but in fact you were part of the problem? Well, I went to Al-Anon seriously, and I didn't like what they had to tell me. I was there to save someone's life, and how dare they tell me that I needed to forget about that person and take care of myself. So I left there very irate. And I believe it took me about two years of more suffering and to become even more insane to finally go back. And then I was ready to listen to what those people had to say. With regard to codependency, it's very difficult because what, what you were told in Al-Anon and what we, we now understand about codependency is that um, every instinct that you're working on, which is maternal or paternalistic or uh, loving is working against solving the problems. Absolutely. Very difficult to tell yourself, I got to stop doing this. I'm killing them with kindness. Is that it? Exactly. And to be able to teach them how to take care of themselves. The, fa the family. The family members. Someone once described it to me as not unlike what they teach you in uh, life-saving at the beach. Every lifeguard knows that you must uh, approach someone drowning in a very professional way, in fact, keeping them at some distance so that they don't drag you under. Is exactly. It, is it, it's like that, right? Exactly. The same thing with airplanes. If, you know, you have to put your oxygen on first before you can be of help to somebody else. If you try to help someone else, you're going to, you're going to also perish. So do we have a higher incidence of uh, codependent behavior during this time of the year, do you think, during the holidays? I believe so. I believe so. I believe it's more obvious, I should say, because of all the parties, of all the family gatherings. You know, it, that happens throughout the year, but not as much as it does during the holiday season. Is it particularly, uh, particularly acute with someone who is – trying to um, enjoy the holidays in early recovery. Say that again. Rephrase that. D does the family or the codependent people around somebody uh, view the holiday season as a special time to be, to be more joyful, to have more fun, because someone's just getting sober? I'm glad that they're happy for that. However, sometimes very well-meaning Celebration can be harmful to somebody who's newly into recovery. Well-meaning celebration? Yes. By that you mean? Again, they don't see the harm that's happening. They don't see the potential for harm that's happening. So it's done out of joy, 
but it's not done with the cognitive piece that we were talking right, about right, earlier. Right. Um, interesting stuff. We're, we're talking about stress in the holidays and dealing with it while in recovery. Our guest, E.J. Jackson. We have more with her. She, she's a don't we? Do we have more with? Yes. <laughs> Hit that button. <laughs> she's brought her buttons with her. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Our guest in the uh, studio today, E.J. Jackson. Uh, E.J. is a uh, very experienced therapist. She is uh, she has uh, been a trainer for people uh, with substance abuse problems, both on the corporate and the clinical level. She's a board-certified hypnotist, and we'll find out more about that. She's done inspirational speaking, and uh, she leads seminars on the, on the topic of dealing with substance abuse, and she presides over a television program, um, which you can see on YouTube, uh, and she's our guest today. EJ, what's the name of the television program? The name of the television program is Some Days You're the Windshield, Some Days You're the Bug. <laughs> that, that was a bug hitting the windshield. And what kinds of things do you, do you discuss, all, all kinds of things on that program? Anything and everything. Uh, this month, I just had a show on this past week, and it was with Suda, who's in charge of the ashram. And we just had a conversation. We didn't even have a topic. We just sat down and talked for the hour. Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful. It was very spiritual. Next month, I'm going to have Dale Graff on, who actually was the man who started the Stargate program with the, with the government. He taught remote viewing. Anybody really? that's seen men who stare at goats, that was part right. of what he did. Right. So he'll be on the show next month. And then the following month, probably a drum circle. Well, so uh, that's that's terrific. Um, before we go any further in my in my you know prep for the program, I always like to take a look at what people are talking about before they get here. Uh, I come across lots of things like remote. Would you call it remote, remote viewing? Viewing, yes. And um, ESP. ESP, and for me, and I think a lot of people, the the flag that goes up reads, "Uh oh, new age." New age stuff here. There's going to be crystals on the desk pretty soon. How do you um, explain to people all that touchy-feely stuff uh, and Aquarian um, notions in, in, the, in the context of you know something that really works? Well, there's science behind it, and that's the beauty of it because it's not all woo-woo. It's actually there is science based on it, and we are finding out more and more with regard to the possibility of what we as individuals can do to enhance, not only enhance our lives, but also to heal. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Bruce Lipton is someone that I would tell people to check out on the internet because he taught in medical school, he taught physicians, but he was also in research and he dealt with stem cells all the way back in the 60s mm -hmm. and found out that it's not all about Newtonian physics, it's about quantum physics. And they still teach Newtonian physics in the medical colleges. Okay, E.J., morning, as you know, there are people who have family members that are abusing opioids and devastating that, their lives in the family yes. who are not going to worry about the difference between Newtonian physics or quantum physics. So but why, explain are, why are people using so many opiates now? Why? It's a, it's a wonderful uh, question. What do you think? I think it has to do with untreated trauma. And it doesn't have to be necessarily trauma from your own life now. It can, I believe that when we're born, we get all the untreated trauma yeah. gets dumped into our spirit. Yeah. And 
we have to learn how to, and you can do that through treatment, what belongs to you, what doesn't belong to you. Life's not easy is what you're saying. Life's not the easy. expectation that it's going to be easy and wonderful is a false notion. Birth is trauma. Yes. You're in a nice confined area. All your needs are taken care of. And then all of a sudden one day you're out in a very cold room with a lot of lights, people making a lot of noise, and then they stick a thermometer up your butt. Well, the, you know? <laughs> right. The first, the first uh, experience of life is an, is an eviction notice. Exactly. But well, let, let's, let's focus in a little more specifically on this notion that uh, the, as I said, the touchy-feely stuff is uh, not just pie in the sky, but based on science. Tell us what hugs is. You have something called H-U-G-S, hugs. What, I'm the hug lady. What, what's that about? Helping you grow stronger. Because when you hug someone, and you always have to ask, you just don't accost somebody. Mm-hmm. You say, is it okay if I give you a hug? And if they say no, you respect that. Right. But um, when you do hug someone... It activates another chemical, a very natural chemical called oxytocin. It's a hormone, and it makes you feel good, and it makes you feel connected to people. And in the 12-step program, there's a lot of hugging that goes on. Mm-hmm. Is that coincidental? I think not. No, probably not. But, I mean, uh, so so these sort of new – and I'll, I'm sorry to use the phrase, but these sort of new age notions of, of how one can help themselves, uh, are there there is a basis in, in fact for it. And um, it's interesting that the basis, if I hear you correctly, is positive. You're changing brain chemistry yes. through a hug, in a posi- and, a, and there's a positive outcome. Ironically, that's exactly what's going on in the opposite direction with regard to abusing drugs and alcohol. They rewire your brains negatively. Absolutely. And the brain, we, we know so little about the brain. We really do know so little. There's such little research that we actually can say this is what's happening. But what happens is you have the limbic brain, which everybody knows about. That's the reptile brain, you know, and that's all about fight or flight and survival. Mm -hmm. And then you have the cerebral cortex, and that's the last thing to develop. And the point is that you can switch between the limbic brain and the cerebral cortex just by blowing bubbles. Yeah, uh, I forgot to mention that. You also give give away little bottles of uh, of, of bubbles. Absolutely, because when we Because nobody doesn't like a bubble, right? Is <laughs> exactly. that right? People like to play. But it's diaphragmatic breathing. Diaphragmatic breathing is what really... It fills up your entire lungs. We only use like the top portion of our lungs. Mm-hmm. So we're like fish out of a fishbowl. We're just sort of <laughs> gasping for air constantly. When you take, when you lay, and when if you say to someone, well, I want you to take some deep diaphragmatic breaths with me, you run into resistance. So what I do is I get people to laugh. And laughter activates that part. So you're using your diaphragm when you are laughing. So if I can get people to laugh, that's just a sneaky way to get them to breathe. And these are all techniques that you, that yes. you have used as a clinician yes. and that you urge other clinicians yes. uh, who are not thinking about them to consider. I think one thing that clinicians do, and it is important to have someone recognize the things that cause them ill and pain and hardships. However, if you do not have in your therapy some fun and laughter and imagination, which is where the hypnosis comes in, and you can, now I can train people with little tidbits they can use for hypnosis, but if you don't include that in your session, all you're doing is ruminating all the things that they already know that hurt 
So that brings us to this. Yeah, well, we want you to hold that because we want to, we're up against the break. E.J. Jackson okay. is our guest. Stick around. And, and she's got some great stuff for us, dealing with stress during the holidays. Um, and you know what? This is a broad topic that covers people that even do not have the disease of addiction in their lives. Stressful time of the year. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We're going to return to uh, the fascinating conversation with our guest, E.J. Jackson, straight ahead. But I want to remind you what, uh, who's paying the freight around here because it's only fair. Uh, Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers, they sponsor the radio program. And um, I tell you this every week, and I'm going to tell it to you again. I'm going to give you their phone number for purely informational purposes. If there are any questions you have about the disease of addiction that's going on in your life right now or someone you know, any treatment you're having or looking for, they're there to answer questions. Uh, can they Have they helped lots and lots of people? Yes. That's not the purpose of the program, to convince you they are the only way you can get sober. They are one way. They are a, a very well-known way. They have treated lots of lots of people successfully for substance abuse. But again, they don't sponsor this program to convince you they're the only way. There are many ways to recovery. And so I give you their phone number and I tell you this every week as well. We hope you never have to use it. But when addiction arrives in people's lives, it does so without uh, announcing itself. It descends upon families and destroys them swiftly. They have to make very difficult decisions under extraordinary circumstances. And, you you know, you can only Google your way out of this so often. If you want to talk to a real person who knows what they're talking about, you, you, do, um, you do no better than to call retreat. Their number, 855-859-8808. Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. Facilities in the Lancaster County area and in Ephrata uh, and also now in West Palm Beach. Uh, 855 855- Eight five nine eight eight zero eight. EJ Jackson is our guest, and boy, we've been having a lot of fun with EJ and getting a lot of. Well, yes. There you go. A lot of uh, terrific insights into what she does as a uh, certified addictions counselor, a uh, board certified hyp- hypnosis, uh, hypnotist, and uh, she's just been at this for many, many years, um, dealing with uh, substance abuse and stress in particular during the holidays. So uh, now, EJ, we, we need, we, we like very much to give people practical um, advice on, on what to do during this you know, period of time and, in fact, throughout the rest of the year. Now, you handed out a bookmark, which is kind of interesting, and there are a couple of dozen um, descriptive words here on us um, separated by a line sort of in the middle. But tell us what this is all about. No problem. This is called the Emotional Freedom Scale, the Emotional Guidance Scale. And it was developed by another organization. And um, part of it is getting you... From one feeling to another. So these are all descriptions of emotions, right? It's like a right? ladder. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a ladder. It's like climbing a ladder. And it's actually based on vibrations. And the lowest vibration is actually powerlessness. And we talk about that in the 12-step program as powerless. So that's the lowest vibration that's actually registered here on this card. Which is where most people in the grip of this disease are. They are powerless against this problem. Exactly. And when people come in to see me, we look at this and I ask them, where are you right now? It sounds like you're here. Is that where you are? Are you depressed? You know, we are you fearful? We go up the scale a little bit. And if they say they are, we talk about it. And then I ask them, now think about something that is a feeling that's above that. And we gradually climb this in a, in a session. And the goal is to get above that line. 
because those vibrations are higher vibrations. They're lighter vibrations. If you looked at them on an oscilloscope, the lower vibrations would have long peaks and valleys. The higher vibrations are like this, and we feel that. We are vibratory creatures. Everything is about vibration. Everything in this room is vibrating right now. Nothing is really solid. And this list begins, as you say, with powerlessness and then moves up through things like despair, depression. Um, so how do you get people who – you can get stuck at any one of these things, can't you? Can. You can. Yeah. How, how do you break through to the next level? That's when you use a, a therapist that is, uses this as a tool, learns how to do that. And you say, well, let's talk about something that causes you frustration. Because if a person is depressed, let's say, and you get them to feel angry, think about it. When you're depressed, you're not doing anything. But when you're angry, you have this feeling. So you've already raised your, your um, vibration. And then you go up to frustration, which is even a higher vibration. So there's nothing that's negative on this sheet. And again, the goal is to get up. So what I say to them is, well... Uh, okay, you say you're feeling angry. Let's talk about that a little bit. But we don't spend a whole lot. Of, we don't ruminate on it. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. move up to another one that's higher. You know, tell me, tell me about this one. How about frustration or boredom? Tell me about that. It, it, it's important for the um, for the the patient, somebody in the grip of addiction, to first recognize that this is where they are. I'm mm-hmm. feeling this way yes. because it can seem like one thing, and it's not one thing, Mm-mm. right? Um, well, you got to hit the button. This you, is a when small you agree with me. Hit the button. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Um, what do you mean, and I'm looking at, the, and I'll just br- briefly, you know, you begin at powerlessness and you go up through depression and just unworthiness and guilt, and these things are all pretty obvious. Um, where does some, what, what do you mean by imitation? Imitation, where are we on there? Almost to the top of that line there. You've oh, got, okay. Uh, t- t- when you're trying to be something that you're not. When you're trying to be something, you you think, all right, I'm going to think my way through this. I'm going to pretend to be happy, but you're not really happy. Mm -hmm. Scratch the surface and you'll see what's under that. Uh And so it's important to recognize that I'm at that point. Yes. Uh, And uh, the idea is to to move towards this above the line uh, behavior. Now, what what are the kinds of – well, boredom is kind of interesting. I don't don't, think – when people said they were bored, they were kidding themselves because boredom – I mean, if you're bored, it means you've solved every problem in your life, and now you're sitting around bored. So bore, boredom is kind of a false way well, it's to – It's a f- higher vibration, yeah. but, but the point is that boredom is uh, – there's a, there's a phrase, and I think it's, I think it's in a 12-step program, but I'm not certain, that boredom is nothing more than self-centeredness. Hmm. Yeah, yes, yes, in the sense that I've, it's all figured out, and now there's nothing left to think about. Um, so – I can see taking people through this through these uh, stages uh, is very important. Do you have to go through each stage, or can no, people, you don't. Can people just you leap? just sort of it's like leaping, mm-hmm. and it, the clinician learns how to get the person to shift from one to the other because the, the clinician will say, "Well, how about this? Can you tell me about what you're feeling when this is going on? What's going on with you physically?" And you spend just a few minutes on that, and then you ask them to make another leap. You know, you're talking about clinicians, but if family members that are trying to get a handle on where their loved one is in their uh, their treatment and recovery need to know, should should know about this stuff as well. Right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. This is not just for people in addiction. Yeah, this I, is for the people in general. Yeah, I, I, I suspect that you, as a clinician, run into lots of resistance that people going, I, I, "Please, you're going to." Of course, I'm depressed. Why are we talking about? Of course, I'm there. 
do, how do you overcome this sort of resistance to talk? People don't want to talk about the way they feel, particularly when they know they feel bad, right? Yeah. But they hold on to it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So the point is, hey, you don't want to talk about it, but you're still feeling it. Let's get you somewhere else. And my goal is to get them out of my office. And I tell them that the first time they're there. I say, my goal is for you to stop coming here. So let's work on getting that there. And, and many times people think they have to stay in these things. No, we have permission to shift to a higher vibration, to shift to, to feel better. Isn't that the goal? And we're all worthy of it. But so many people don't believe that they're worthy of it. What do you start to see as a clinician? And what should families look for that is um, representative of somebody moving into the better vibrations, as you okay. say, the, the better the better frequencies mindset? Yeah. What's the first thing you should look for? First of all, their willingness to act, to participate. Because, again, many times family members feel as though this isn't their problem. It's somebody else's problem. And that's so that's such denial. So to get them to realize how it's affected them, and if they learn how to take care of themselves, they can also if we were in a bad relationship and I wanted a better relationship, I wouldn't stay in that bad relationship, but I'm so comfortable with it mm -hmm. because it's what I know. So to go to a, a pleasant vibration is uncomfortable for people sometimes to go to a better space, if you want to use that word, right. Why, why it's uncomfortable with them because they're unfamiliar with it and they're suspicious of that. Yeah, they're that suspicious space. of it, and they're afraid they won't be able to sustain it. So why tease myself? So during the holidays, let's focus a little bit on this. Uh, and you've got somebody moving up this scale in their in their recovery. They're they're uh, you know they're past the frustration a little bit, and maybe they're not as pessimistic any longer. Uh, and then bang, uh, hey, it's happy time. What? That's what the holidays tell you. You, you're, happy, you've happy, got joy, to be. Joy. You've got to be happy. It's happy time. Um, it's an obligation. Is it a problem? Is it a problem for people in recovery when they're confronted with that expectation? Absolutely, because they need to be wherever they are. You can't jump off from a place that you aren't. You have to start where you are, and then you can improve it. But just being in it, feeling it emoting it. This is not just about words on a paper. This is about feelings inside. How, how uh, proactive should the family be in uh, meeting the um, person in recovery where they are? In other words, they're going to plan a Christmas or a New Year's celebration. Are there things they should be mindful of when planning that because they're going to have people in recovery there? Yes, I believe they should. Now, it doesn't mean they have to alter their lifestyle if they choose not to. But then they also have to realize that this may be a tempting or a, a compromising or even a dangerous situation for someone. And someone newly in recovery may not be able to handle all of those emotions. And I know one thing that we used to do, I, I actually worked at the retreat before it was the retreat when I first started in this, in this business. And I have a personal love for this place mm -hmm. <laughs> because a lot of good work does happen here. The one thing is, with uh, we always talked with the clients about, is to learn how to say, okay, I'm going to go there. Maybe take somebody that's in the program with you when you go there. Or have someone on a call that you can make a call to. Or know when to leave. And just say, I love you all. i got to go right now. Right. And, and, that, and that involves having a plan. Exactly. Uh, no one, having a plan. No one ever considers going to a party as needing 
uh, a plan, but you really do have to do. Uh, have to decide. You know, it's you called to, boundaries. Yeah, and and if there, if you need an ex- escape route, you need to know where it is and how to get to it. And the family has a responsibility to go. Okay, these kinds of topics probably are not a good idea, and uh, maybe we should stay away from uh, this. And everybody needs to be on the same page Absolutely. during this time of the year, Communicate. right? Communicate. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah, yeah. Communicate. Yeah, and you've got somebody already already shut off and uh, uncommunicative. Uh, there's a lot of hostility and anger that the family has to get over and fear. fear. Fear is the biggie. Yeah. And one thing that we used to tell people, and, and I heard it myself, was when someone says to you, do you want to have a drink or do you want to have a beer? Here, have a beer with me. Instead of saying, oh, no, I'm an addict, I can't do that, just say, you know, when I drink, I get sick. Mm-hmm. Most people won't pressure you if you tell them, I get sick when I do this. <laughs> you know, they think you're going to go, blah. Right. <laughs> right. Sick, sick, yeah. E.J. Jackson, our guest here on Recovery Radio. We have another segment with her. Stick around. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. The holidays upon us, of course. We're, uh, we're doing, I think, the second of our programs Um which focus on navigating your way through the holiday season when in recovery, both from the standpoint of the family and, of course, the person in recovery. Our guest has been, and it's been a delight, E.J. Jackson. E.J. is a uh, well-known and experienced therapist. She has over 35 years experience in the field working with people in uh, all all manner of, uh, I guess, emotional crisis, uh, both substance abusers and uh, otherwise. She is a uh, licensed, um, certified drug and uh, alcohol counselor and so much more. I urge you to take a look at her television show on on, uh, YouTube called Some Days You're the Windshield. Yep. And some days you're the bug. And if you want to see that on YouTube, it would be under BCTV, Some Days You're the Windshield. Before we give people a kind of, uh, um, you know, checkoff list to check the boxes to get ready for the holidays, um, you also are a certified hypnotist. Yes, I am. Now, are are you sitting here in front of us trying to tell us that hypnosis has a role to play in substance abuse? Absolutely. Really? There's a thing called medical hypnosis. And you can work with all kinds of different individuals. You can work with people that have difficulty going to the dentist. Uh, I had I have a program on BCTV where there were two other hypnotists who are in a relationship together, and she had five brain surgeries, and they used medical hypnosis. And she actually was off of her meds many times before she had to leave the hospital because of it. Yeah. And I've had people who've had um, uh, hip replacements, that have been gotten out of the hospital within three days and were up walking around yeah. the same day as the, as the surgery. Why do so many people think hypnosis is bunk? We're all hypnotized for crying out loud. Advertisers do it. The government does it. I mean, we, we're we in a trance right now in this country. If I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> but we are in hypnosis most of the time. That's just where the subconscious mind is. It never goes to sleep. And people know how to activate that part of it. So why shouldn't people use it for good? And so no one, no one uh, gets the wrong idea here. You're not suggesting that hypnosis is um, the only thing. No, absolutely that, not. That can but be let a- me ask you, have you ever driven somewhere and gone past your exit? Yes, all the time. Who was driving the car? Yes, I know. We all know Your what subconscious mind yeah, was driving the car. We, we, we have all experienced that sort of automatic um, trance, trance-like yeah. behavior. 
time seems to change when you're, you know, uh, you know, they say it flies when you're having fun. Well, that's a real phenomenon. So I guess, I, I, I guess I understand. Having never been hypno, hypnotized, and a lot of people who well, think they can't been. be, but you're claiming I have been. <laughs> yes, and there's a book by Victoria Castle called "The Trance of Scarcity," and I love a phrase that she has because we are in that. There's not enough meat. There's not enough gas. There's not enough this. There's not enough money. In this country, we really st- stick into that trance of scarcity. And the same thing goes with recovery, too. However, she has a quote in there that I love, and it says, if suffering were the way to get there, we'd all be there by now. <laughs> That's right. Um, what's the name of the book again? The Trance of Scarcity by Victoria Castle. Okay. Uh, AJ, uh, let's leave people with a, a couple of um you know, hard, you know, solid and hard, hardcore ideas on what to do. Getting ready for uh, next week, which will be filled with joy and happiness. What should the family be thinking about as they, you know, get ready for the holidays and they have someone in active or not active addiction, but someone in recovery? What should they be thinking about? Well, I would say don't hide all of your alcohol, which might sound counterproductive, but that's irrational. Figure out what is important to you, talk to the person that you're concerned about, have that conversation, and then decide where your boundaries are and where their boundaries are and what you can agree upon and what you can't agree upon. Does the so fa- it's communication. Yeah. And does the family need to talk among themselves about what, what their expectations are when the loved one in recovery is going to be a guest at the party? Absolutely. It has to be considered because it's in their heads. Right. They've already thinking about it. They're ruminating. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you might as well talk about it because it's the, it's you know the elephant in the room. Be- before the person in recovery uh, is actually in the room during Christmas or Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, before they're actually at the New Year's Eve party, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier that they should have a plan. What are a couple of the things that they should be planning for? The person who has the addiction. Yes. Well, they should have a plan. They should have a sponsor. They should have a support group. And they should be able to communicate that and set those things up with their sponsor and talk about it at their meetings and so on. It's important for them to know where their boundaries are, what their extensions. They might not want to even be around the family the first year. They may not. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with the family. It has to do with where they are. So it's respect. And that's what we're asking about from the families, too, is respect. They have a right to party if they want to. Not everybody is an alcoholic and an addict. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard for us to believe that because we're around that all the time. But it's it's individual. It's individual, and it's something that everybody just needs to communicate about. Well, you keep – you said that more than once. This disease isolates and uh, cuts people off from uh, so many things – Talking about this and being aware of what you're confronting is absolutely critical or nothing else works, right? And, and it, forget about hurting people's feelings. You know, let's get over it. <laughs> let's rise above that and just communicate as one human being to another and respect each other's boundaries. Well, we can't do that because so-and-so is coming. And I, I'm not going to make the rum cake this year because we don't want them to get stoned on the rum cake. <laughs> right. right. Not that anyone ever eats the rum cake. But no, anyway. it just gets passed around. Thank you so much. I mean, the goal, after all, at this time of the year is to have happy holidays. Exactly. and Joyful. Uh, joyful holidays. And that's the top of uh, EJ's list here, by the way, is joy. Thank you so much. Will you come back to do the show again? You betcha. We'd love to have you back. Everybody look for EJ's uh, YouTube uh, radio or television program and um, 
see that? She's cheering the effort here. She has all of her... She has props. I, yes, I, yes, 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 yes. I, you're the first clinician I've run into with props. And I, I, I'm a prop therapist. A prop therapist, and that's a that's a new one here on Recovery Radio. Uh, happy holidays to you, for sure. Thank you. And uh, please look for us on Recovery Radio. Thank you for having me, Steve. This was week. a real joy. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for coming by. And we'll see you all next Saturday on Recovery Radio. Bye-bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.